Do you ever watch something and say, where do I know that actor from? Are you tired of endless scrolling across the infinite streaming platforms? Do you want someone to just tell you in a kind of bossy yet non-judgmental way what you should be watching? Then this podcast is for you. Welcome to EMDB TV. I'm Emily, your host and self-diagnosed TV addict. The episode that you're about to listen to is a deep dive discussion on the miniseries Years and Years that I recently did with my friend, Dr. Lori. Enjoy! My voice is just, I think, getting raspier the older I get. I'm trying to think of what your voice sounded like when we met and if it's changed. Yeah, man. I'm sure I have some old videos and stuff to like go back to, but I do feel like it's, or, you know, like if I go out to like a happy hour and it's mm-hmm. louder and I kind of yell yeah. the next day, I'm hoarse mm-hmm. and it really feels like it's like your vocal stamina is less is than. much lower. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if my voice sounds different. I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah. Well, go back and listen. (laughs) Play old sound clips. Yeah. That's the fun of this, too, is having all of this for posterity. Mm. I mean, it's like when I was, you know, 13, making little videos, my friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I need to figure out where those tapes are. Yeah. And like... It's just like, what What were we doing? You know? Oh my gosh, how fun would that be to watch? See. You know what I love is I still love, I, I wish we had a VHS player and I wish we had two of the like mixed VHS tapes that we had of cut together holiday specials. Uh-huh. We had like a Garfield one. <laughs> we had, of course, like the Peanuts yeah. ones or Charlie Brown. Um, there was a claymation one that so we loved. So this was loved. one that you had edited together. Yes, wow. yes, Major of like different, yeah, like family recordings. Um, and I would love to go back and be able to yeah. watch those again. And they're gone. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just interesting now that. It's like we take so many pictures and so many videos, you know, and yeah. like with my kids, especially like I, like my entire camera roll is just pictures of them. But like, sorry to interrupt, but <laughs> here's my question. Think about it. Like, imagine our grandchildren, are they going to stumble upon old phones and find those photos or how do those photos go to the next generation? Uh-huh. uh-huh. So that's maybe a good segue because it feels very uh, dystopian. Uh, yeah. And I have actually thought of that before about how we are the most documented and recorded stage of history right now, but we're so digital that what will actually be left? Yeah. And so it's how do you like stumble we are the upon... most recorded as of now, but almost it seems like the most fragile documentation in yeah. history. Because how do you stumble upon old Instagram 20 years from now yeah. and look at the things you put? I mean, I don't know. We're going to see how that works. That's but. why I just meticulously on a monthly basis take my entire social media feed and Instagram and I just download it and I print it and then I put it into a physical album and then I put it on a bookshelf in a warehouse and then I'm just wow. going to, that's going to be my, the document of my life mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. You're returning to paper, a theme we saw in In years and years. years. Yes. So this is a good segue into that because 
Yeah, that is another alternate path that could that we could be going down that could have been presented in that show. But now we're going to talk about the show Years and Years as a deeper dive because um, I watched it. I don't know how I got recommended it. I think it popped up in like my, was it HBO Max? HBO Max, yeah. I think it popped up in my HBO Max and it was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'll watch it. And then I watched the first episode and it was like, what the fuck? When did this show come out? And it was like, 2019? Yeah. How have they predicted the future <laughs> to like 85% accuracy? So yeah. then I needed somebody to talk about it with. Uh, and so then I kind of just coerced you into watching it. And you have since rewatched it. So you've watched it more than I have. Yeah, well, I mean, this is my podcast debut, and I knew we were going to talk about it, so I felt like I needed to do some research. I am a doctor, after all, (laughs) Uh, and I can go deep, Uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack in this show, like, years and years, and so you do need somebody that you can talk to about it. Yes. And since watching it, I have talked to other people oh, okay. about it. And rec- it. Yes. yes. So it's one of those where I feel like it travels through the chain. And when recommendations come down like that, you should definitely yeah. watch. Yeah. I think I remember when it first got released back in 2019, seeing some press for it or some, you know, advertising in the marquee of the algorithms pushing or whatever. And I don't know why I didn't watch it. Mm -hmm. Maybe because it was like, at the time that it was getting released, it was like right at the start of the pandemic. And so it was like, I don't really want to watch any sci-fi because Mm -hmm. I don't know how this reality is going to pan out right now. (laughs) So I'm like, so I don't need to gameplay it. Mm -hmm. So I think it was interesting watching it now with what has happened since it was originally run, um, and that it's kind of like, all right, well, maybe in some ways we're, we're not as bad, and in some ways we are accelerated <laughs> as far as Ooh, approaching that. That is the scary part. Right. The um, part where we are outpacing what the show predicted not so many years ago. Right, right. Yeah. And so I don't want to get into spoiler territory yet, because mm. I think that this might be enough of a teaser that if people are interested in watching it, essentially, it's 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 very feels very Black Mirror. Mm-hmm, it feel mm-hmm. it's like near futuristic. Yes, which is scarier because it's like we will see that some version of that, and we have seen some version of this. <laughs> yeah, I think the um, latest the show goes to is like twenty thirty. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not that far into the future that yep. you can, when you're confronted with some of the pieces of ways that technology is integrated, obviously, mm-hmm. into the show and the presence of it has obviously grown as it has continued to grow, like in our lifetime, right? Um, but I think that it's you can make that leap and follow the, the story because it is real enough and it's yeah. not that far. It's not like when you were little and you were like, cars are going to fly. It still hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Yeah, I didn't know that was such yeah. a long-term <clears throat> thing. Yeah. But then other really crazy things have happened on much faster yeah. timelines. So anyways, it's all very, it's a very seemingly realistic alternate reality. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always interesting to watch stuff like that for me anyways, because 
it does sort of the way that my brain works is kind of like, okay, try to piece together what is happening now to sort of predict what potentially could happen. Yeah. And this is like somebody spelling out for you, essentially, this chain of events happened. And because Mm. it's so, because so much of it has actually occurred, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, they saw what was happening back in 2016, 17, 18, leading up to the production and writing of this and everything. And these these things were in motion mm-hmm. back then. Yeah. I mean, the, I think the thing that is more impressive maybe in predicting is the Simpsons because they tend to do it so far in advance uh. that it's like, how do they know that 15 years before it happened? Whereas this, yeah. I feel like, it's Was like, it like everybody could have seen in some regards kind of this point out. And yeah, like the thing with the <laughs> Simpsons is it's like, did they really know or did was it just like dumb luck that they threw out some super crazy Maybe. idea and were like, that's like nuts. Yeah. And then it came true. And it might just be like the sheer volume. Sure. Of like the number of the numbers games. Right, right. So, (laughs) which is also a little bit crazy to think about when you think about it in terms of like a multiverse of like, yep, that's what it is. Just throw, throw shit out there Mm -hmm. and chain reaction of it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I want to go back to the, what you said about the chain of events. And I think that is what also makes it such a compelling watch is because when you are living the events, I think it is very hard to connect what's happening in that current time space with you because there is so much happening and what it all actually means. It's like you need time from that to put it together. And so this show obviously tells you a narrative and puts it together for a puts it together for you in a way that you are going to make that jump to what that alternate reality could be. And then you're going to be able to really live in it enough to know, is that scary or is yeah. that exciting to me that that could be how things go? Yeah. It, it it's like a, a distant enough perspective of it when you're watching it uh, as opposed to living it, that it allows you to comprehend the chain of events that mm-hmm. led us to here. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think that it's like, so I think before we get too far into it, so the premise of the show, basically, it's a mini series. Mm-hmm. So as far as I know, there is not supposed to be a second there season. There is not, which is honestly, I could live in this world, I think, a long time, but it's also given me so much to think about. Yeah. It's also fine. Yeah. And I think also that like, um, I, I think a concept like this, you don't want to have too much of it because then you start to catch up with current time also, mm-hmm. right? And, and so... And so I think it becomes less novel in that way. But the premise of the show essentially is that it's like it starts, it's it's always centered around this one family mm-hmm. and how that family is impacted by societal, technological, economic change, climate changes over the course of like, I think it's like 15 years or something. Yeah, I think it's 2019 to 2030. Right. Um, and, and it starts with the birth of the youngest member of that family. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of crosses over for each of the siblings within that family and like how their life is impacted by these major societal events. Yes. Um, And to not get too much into the spoilers of it yet, because this is probably where you'll want to watch the series before Mm -hmm. listening to the rest of the discussion. So spoiler alert for this. 
But it essentially is set in a reality where if Trump won a second term. Oof. So that is the jumping off point, right? <laughs> and so, um, I mean, if you're listening to this, chances are that's, you know, a horrific alternate reality. That is, yeah, like a very terrifying yeah. idea. Yeah. And so at least not that. <laughs> at least mm-hmm. we're not that. Came close <laughs> to it. But the interesting thing is that I was thinking about is that, and this is not too much of a spoiler alert either, is that it's not, uh, they didn't predict, at least early on, a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so our reality is very different in that regard. Mm-hmm. But when I think about how, if they had predicted a pandemic early on, that show would be completely about a pandemic. And then it makes me think about how in our reality, <laughs> where we did have a pandemic, how superseding it is because it affects everything Mm -hmm. right so when you look when you watch years and years in some regard yes it's different because it starts off with trump in a second term and some things that he does at the very end of his second term and then on the other hand though they don't have the factor of a pandemic Mm -hmm. so it's almost like you can very closely mirror our reality of like these two forking paths yeah yeah I think the thing, too, is obviously in our reality, the pandemic is pervasive. Yep. So everything that is happening, because there are so many big things happening right now, are happening also during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is an underlying thread connecting everything versus in years and years, the underlying threads aren't that obvious or Mm -hmm. pervasive. Yep. And so it becomes much more about like, wow, what if America had really devolved a lot further and actually, yeah, Mm -hmm. faster and actually started a world war, Mm -hmm. which is a real fear that a lot of us have Mm -hmm. um, that could happen. And so it's like, that is kind of the the underlying thread. It just isn't as pervasive because it isn't, I think like impacting everybody to the same degree. And I think it's interesting too, when you look at the universe of years and years that yes, so many of the same world events happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like obviously they're tying it into our reality. So it's mm-hmm. everything that historically, so that, that led to it. But then in the time, in the instances where our reality is accelerated versus that timeline, it's like how much of that is because of the pandemic Right. Where in some ways the pandemic has accelerated the deterioration of a lot of institutions and sort of that sense of democracy and the, and the ideals of the West and all of that sense. Um, and it has sort of accelerated this feeling of like isolationism and nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like I, I feel like we should talk about some of the specific themes within years and years, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because, man, there are a lot of them. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Yes. Um, Okay, so before we get into that, though, uh, how much do you love or hate me for introducing you to this show? Did you like it? (laughs) Uh, I think, you know, the the way you, like, want to answer that is yes and no. (laughs) Uh, But I think if I'm being really truthful, the answer is yes. Yes. I think I really liked having something with so many of those different themes that I could really think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, It felt like 
almost like research in a way on how even to contextualize more of what's currently happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I really enjoyed it even when it made me feel things that I didn't love feeling. Um, I I still have to say I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, uh, I think I liked it and I didn't want to like it. It's like it's, you feel conflicted yeah, about liking it. And I mean, that's the way that I feel about Black Mirror. That's yes. the way that I feel about a lot of that sci-fi alternate reality. Like, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And it's like, I love thinking about all of the different alternate realities that can exist. And like the butterfly effect of one decision, how that changes so many other things. Yeah. And how that like... I mean, scientifically speaking, probably does exist, you know? Yes. So that's insane to me. So I love that part of it. But then I feel like it touches a part of my brain where it's like, I shouldn't be thinking about these things, you know? <laughs> because it's almost like too much to comprehend. Yes. <laughs> it is heavy, heavy yes. things to uh, think about and to ponder. And I think that's why you don't want to like it because it does confront you with, the level of how many things are going wrong right now in society. Yep. And it is hard to feel hopeful sometimes when you kind of really dive into that and see that the current reality is not the best representation of Mm -hmm. who we can be as people. Yeah. So that's kind of yikes. And, and, and what you see over the course of the show is that it continues to devolve And in the ways that it's improving, it's like they're not enough to offset. So it's still a net negative yep. that it's like society is declining. Yes. So, <laughs> so that's why you're so everybody don't like it. should go and watch this feel good series <laughs> of the summer, years and years. Looking for a light beach watch. This isn't it. Oh man. <laughs> This is like something that you will watch and that will haunt you. Um, like Black Mirror. Like Black and things Mirror. things continue to haunt you yes. when you watch, you know, you don't need to watch those episodes yes. multiple times. They stay with you. I think like, you know, it's obviously very similar to Black Mirror. And so we keep mentioning that yeah. because of like that the timeline is set and always it's usually near futures. Yes. And it's always like a technological aspect to it too. Yep. Um, but I think it's also very reminiscent of shows like The Good Place. Mm. You know? I love that you segued into yes. this. Like I think that it's like a lot of the same philosophies and and sort of like in The Good Place, the concept of like, I mean, spoiler alert for that show, I guess, but <laughs> of that like in our modern society, it is impossible to make it into a place like the good place because there is so much collateral unintended damages mm-hmm. from our own decisions that we cannot control. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that concept is very pervasive in all of those things, right? Yeah. And so then it's kind of like outside of, and then I think all of them ask the kind of question of like, what do we owe to each other? Mm-hmm. <laughs> of like, yes, you can do these things that are very convenient. But what is the human cost of that? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That is honestly one of the, I feel like, scariest kind of things to really look at and Mm -hmm. confront because 
so in our lives where we are right now, so much of it is like, what can you do to make your life easier? Because things are so hard. Yep. And those things that are coming in to make our life easier, you know, Alexa and... You have, you have one. And so yeah, it's of course she thinks yeah. I'm talking to her now. Um, but, you know, those things that you have in your life to make your life easier when you actually examine the long-term cost of yeah. this, it's like it, it, it is going to come with a cost that yes. you are going to eventually have to pay for. And so it's so not enough to offset not using it now. Usually that's a future Lori problem, yeah. but this show is exposing what that problem is going to look like to your future self. And are you really ready to deal with it? with the decisions that you make today, knowing yeah. that's where they, you know, there's a part where, you know, Muriel goes, it's all your fault. Yeah. You made the decisions you made. You yeah. didn't fight against things that you complained the $1 about. T-shirt. You allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. And now here it is. And you did this. Yep. And that's a lot too, you know, to feel like with everyday decisions that I'm doing, because I think they're enriching my life. Later, they are going to make my life harder yep. and bring about problems that I'm going to have to confront. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, such a light watch, you know. <laughs> so funny to say you like to show when you talk yeah. about it in that way. It's like the hard truth, though, that we need to see of like, if we continue down this path, this is where this could lead, mm-hmm. you know, and we've seen reflections of and of things that happen in, in that reality happen here. Yeah. You know? And so I think when we think about like geopolitical, like <laughs> I think, you know, okay. So this is when we'll get into the details of it, but <laughs> you texted me and you're like, wait, how did, uh, how did the U- <laughs> Ukraine Russia confrontation happen? And I was like, are you talking about it on the show? Or are you talking about in our life? Yeah. And you're like, I guess both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, Too and cool. looking at like, you know, the Ukrainian refugee crisis is a major factor in plot line in that show. Yes. And again, this show was released in 2019. Yes. And so it's like, these things were already in motion. Yes. You know, and I think my response back to you was like, well, I think it kind of happened after the Olympics and when they annexed Crimea. Yeah. That was sort of what started all of this chain of events. And then seeing how in one reality, in their reality of with Trump in the second term, Mm -hmm. what that played out to be. And the ripple effects that that had through Europe, where this is set. Exactly. Set I think that's important. And I wanted yes. to mention the setting because it's that alternate reality of what would have happened had America gone this way, but told through the lens mm-hmm. of the UK, yes. um, where obviously I, they saw a very different like reality with mm-hmm. this Ukraine situation because it was impacting Europe. And it's one of those things where when it's not kind of happening on your home soil, yeah. you just don't see as much of it. So the UK, I think, has a really interesting lens in that respect because there have been wars fought in the UK. Yeah. Their, so their proximity to Europe has really tied them in. And obviously long-standing history of everything that's happened so Mm -hmm. yeah just really interesting lens um i think we've talked about you know this show and that it's very complex and that ultimately we like it 
But I do want to talk about some of the things that maybe you didn't like mm, with okay. this show. And that after are just like, that still does not sit well with me. Yeah. Um... So, uh, spoiler alert. (laughs) So, I understand why Daniel, the youngest son, had to die. Mm -hmm. um, As a way of sort of raising the stakes for that sort of trauma, right? Of like, of that it's like, not only have we lost all of this in society, but we as a family have personally lost eight birth member of this family Mm -hmm. right so i think i get how they needed to kind of ratchet up like the or maybe they felt like they needed to ratchet up the emotional connection to that ukrainian refugee crisis it's really interesting though that somebody who is not a ukrainian refugee dies the way dies a refugee's death yeah and so that's why i'm like conflicted about it of Mm -hmm. like i think that in some ways it is a sad testament to how we value life Mm -hmm. thinking about the reason why they needed to do that was because they needed to make it matter to the audience yeah and if it was uh what's his name oscar no no what is his his uh partner's name the refugee. Oh, Victor. 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 If Victor died, would that have landed as traumatically? Mm-hmm. The family would not. Would the family have cared as much? Would we as an audience have cared as much? I think that I would have. I would like to think okay. that I would uh, have. Yeah. But realistically, though, the reason why I think that is a plot development point is that it's like, yes, you need to flip the script in the sense of you need to show how horrific this is for somebody but you need to be you need to show it like happening to a white mm. british man. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> a, oh gross like it's only uh something the public can unpack if it's happening to a white british man is the yikes a gross thought, right? Yeah. I have so many thoughts here um <laughs> and and this touches on a lot of the areas that I really struggled with. And so one is that Daniel died because of Ralph, and Ralph did not get his comeuppance at all. Mm -hmm. He's at flipping Daniel's funeral, and I'm like, you turned Victor in, and he died trying to bring Victor back. Like, And so also, I don't love how that is a story arc. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so that's, that's where I think, like, this whole idea of Daniel having to die and then doing it in that way mm, yeah. doesn't sit well. Like, is it because you think that that, as a plot driver, felt a little lazy? <laughs> I'm just like, that just seemed like such a yeah, villain. A like, vi- such a villain, quick arc that was never developed well, after that and that was never really resolved or That's addressed. my thing. It yeah. wasn't resolved or addressed. Like, nobody knows that yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really bizarre to me because we do see like the really terrible things that Steven does mm-hmm. and people do know mm-hmm. about it and he does pay for those like social crimes. Yeah. I mean, I guess is it because like Ralph is more just seen as like a side character to develop, help move along the plot, whereas Steven is seen as like a main character. I mean, you have to question without Ralph, does the plot even go where it goes though? No. So he plays like a very pivotal role. Yeah. I feel to not resolve it. That's what just doesn't sit well with me. Like maybe it's a meta commentary on how these small decisions by side players who we don't even think about 
actually set into effect this entire chain of events that leads to the world yeah. <laughs> collapse of society. And how you never know about it. Yep. Because think about this, like Daniel's family doesn't know. And mm-hmm. like how mad mm-hmm. was Steven mm-hmm. at Victor? Yeah. But what if he had known about Ralph? Yep. Like who would you have been more mad at? Yeah. And that Victor doesn't really know that all of this happened because yes. Ralph is... Oh, do you, they should have had something at the end where it was like Victor sees Ralph at the funeral and recognizes him from the gas station. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that where was yes. that? That's what deleted scene. I mean, tie into season two. Like that was almost why I was like, you have to do a season two because yeah. I need this to happen. Mm-hmm. But also, like Victor is such a tragic character it's like your my heart perpetually is breaking for what his life is like and so in some ways I feel like the tragedy is even greater that Victor isn't the one that died because Mm. he has to live with that trauma Mm -hmm. in addition to all of the other trauma Daniel had a pretty privileged life oh yeah. yeah he had a very tragic end yeah but he had a pretty privileged life and so you almost like yeah in that sense it is this really like inequality that you know victor has to keep living that trauma mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> some real truths so in the was, show yeah there's one it's other... a rough one <laughs> there is one other thing that i really could not abide and it was the face filters <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want any part uh, of that. It was some of the the transhuman like mm-hmm, stuff. Like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna snap when mm-hmm. I'm gonna answer my phone. Mm-hmm. And if you're gonna implant my phone, let's do it in a way so that I don't have to hold my hand hands free, man. Like just <laughs> read my brain at this point if yeah. that's where we're gonna go with it. Uh, but the face filter thing was super, <laughs> and it wasn't just face filters, right? The voice, the voice, yep. you know, if, if you're, I mean, think if Penelope is talking to you with a baby filter on yeah. her face. Um, so I think, I feel like that is, um, because of the way that our society interacts currently is so much digital is so much on the internet and digitally and the chances of actually interfacing face to face are more slim right Mm -hmm. than not and that technology already exists Mm -hmm. of like facial filters voice modulation deep fake videos that's already here oh god the deep fake videos and so it's like uh you know unless that's just the in-person manifestation of that technology oh but if you think about the people who you see on social media and they are clearly heavily filtered Mm. or it's like their person their persona on social media is a version of themselves like that's what that is yeah it would just be like if i was doing that and i was sitting across from you right now in person Mm. so (laughs) so I'm sad to say that that part of it, it was like, when I saw that, I was just kind of like, ugh, because we're not that far removed from it. Yeah. Maybe (laughs) that's why I really really didn't didn't like like it, it. because I can see it coming and I don't want it. Yeah. I think uh, when I'm thinking about when I 
first saw some some sort of trailers or you know commercials for this show originally it was because of the like finger phone mm-hmm. thing and i remember seeing that like clip and i'm just like nope mm-mm, not gonna watch that <laughs> and i think then two years later i did i watched it uh but but i feel like that was a little so gimmicky in the sense that i feel like that was like in like fifth element where you're so futuristic you have flying cars mm. but you still have bruce willis as a taxi driver <laughs> like you have a flying car but not self-driving. Nope. Right? And so then it's like, okay, so in that reality, you have the ability to make calls with implants embedded in your body, but you still want it to be tied to a physical gesture of holding your hand like a phone? Like, Yeah, it just felt like you could have workshopped take that it all away. a little just bit take more. take it all away. Yeah. yeah. But also, you know, that's where any kind of futuristic show isn't going to hit it on all fronts. Yeah. But and also, so, how do you visualize that, though? Exactly. If you took it all the way there, it'd just be somebody, like, being like, pulling up information in my brain, and it doesn't really film well. I think that's the thing, too. It's like, you do need more of a physical representation, and so it might not be truly realistic, but you need to see it that way to envision what it could be, perhaps. I did think that the transhuman plotline though was very interesting because it reminded me a lot about uh the show upload Mm -hmm. yes that's another show and also like altered carbon like so many of these shows where the goal is like longevity right Mm -hmm. is immortality and it's like uploading your consciousness to the cloud and becoming a part of the internet in this reality which just sounds like the most awful thing but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, you know, double edged sword with the internet. Obviously, this is this podcast is coming to you from with help of the internet. You know, yeah. But it's just when you think about some other shows that are connected, though, because I also see a lot of parallels to Made for Love, mm, which uh, I have not watched. Yeah, which that's, I actually that's in my queue. Another as well. like recommendation yes. there. Um, but, you know, Made for Love is a little bit different because if you think about, like, The Good Place and Upload and what's happening in this transhuman plotline, it's all about the afterlife. Yep. Whereas in Made for Love, it is living in the technology mm-hmm. and kind of seeing how almost living with that level of technology is what we sometimes envision as an afterlife. Mm-hmm. It's just like a weird kind of parallel there. Um, but I think that's one of the things that is really interesting to kind of dive into as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what other... Um, so many things. Yeah, other there's things. another show that this reminds me of that might seem a little bit out of left field, but when you look at the Viv Wood character which is someone I really want to dive into. Emma Thompson? Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, Fantastic One of my favorite actresses. I I honestly was surprised I hadn't heard about this show because of how well her performance I'm actually pretty sure the reason why I started watching this show is because the thumbnail for the first episode was her. Her. And I was like, what's this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, it's just Emma Thompson. I will watch it. (laughs) Yeah, so just real quick... Her haircut is flipping fire. It's like it, perfection. I mean, yeah. What like a powerful woman. The color, like, the cut, all of it. Styling. Her styling, yes. like man. Immaculate. Yeah, the way she brought this character to life, absolutely insane. 
So, but one of the shows that it reminded me of because of her character is Veep. Mm, And mm -hmm. especially when she was on the game show, you know, saying like, oh, I'm playing for a charity to build (laughs) monuments to horses that died in the war. And it's like the most, like, you're not relevant so far, like, removed from reality politician Mm -hmm. at times. Um, But what do you think of Viv? Vote Viv, love the signs, but what do we think of her? So... I feel like it's so interesting that she starts out as this, quite frankly, when she starts out, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Like, Mm -hmm. I get that. She seems smart. Mm -hmm. And then it gets kind of clownish, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, okay, now she's just desperate for the attention and is like continuing to stay in the political, you know, field or whatever. But she's a joke. all the Trump cards. but she's a joke. But then it's like, oh, She's not really saying anything, but she's saying whatever people want to hear. So she's clearly very savvy in a very, in a way that is not uh, productive Mm -hmm. for actual governance, (laughs) right? It's, It's productive in getting power, but not productive in actually governing. And so you start to see that progression happen, right? And then you start to see the world devolving and the world events coinciding of like people getting so disenchanted that they're just like, Whatever, man. She's saying things. I agree with it. Like, sure. Even if I'm ashamed about it, secretly, I'll vote for her. Mm-hmm. And then the development of that character of, oh, she's this bumbling idiot of a politician. To She's just saying these ridiculous, racist, homophobic, whatever it is, things, and enacting these policies because she's an idiot. And then... The episode where you get a peek behind how power actually works. And you see how lucid and sharp and intentional she is. And it's just like, what a fucking villain. You're talking about the scene where she's talking about the camps. Yes. Yes. That is like a war. How did she not win an award for this performance? Honestly, that one had me like sitting on the edge of my seat, hanging on every word. And that's where I think she became something completely different as far as a character, because it's like, it's, it's all of the Trump moves but with actual substance Mm -hmm. and really understanding and doing it intentionally. Yep. And I don't think with, like, what we saw with Trump, like, I think it was, like, bumbling idiocy, but not with an intentional plan. Yep. She actually was pulling serious strings here. And I think that, like, with all the shit that was going on in this reality, right, Mm -hmm. and, like... Everybody saying, or like experts saying, don't worry about this one. Worry about the next one. Next one. Worry about the next one that's going to be smart enough to not have a trail for their crimes. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's politically savvy enough to know what not to say. Yeah. And that's where we are right now. Yeah. (laughs) And so I I also think that that scene was so interesting where she talks about the camps because it was immediately preceded by her with just Steven, right? Her Mm -hmm. one-on-one with Steven. 
And the way that she was portrayed in that was sort of like you took pity on her as like, oh, she's just a puppet of these dark forces of the right. But then she comes in and it's like, no, 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 Mm -hmm. you are pulling the strings here, aren't you? You kind of almost believe she's helpless. And then that's how good she is. That's how good she is. That she's making people believe that while pulling the strings. Yeah. It's a solid double cross. And just, I mean, Emma Thompson, just slow clap. She relished that role. (sighs) Like it was, that was phenomenal to watch. So I feel like that's one that really kind of got me in a way that you're not expecting. Mm -hmm. And so it was like some of that earlier stuff, definitely with the Veep parallels, but then it became much more smarter, almost like, what is it? The newsroom. Oh, uh uh-huh. Where it was, the newsroom was also another one that really predicted how things can happen, you know, through the journalism lens. And so, uh, yeah, I I think that's really fascinating. And I think like that character was so interesting because for most of the series, your only view of her was her public-facing persona. Mm-hmm. And so when you first get that, what she's actually like, you're like, oh, shit, you are way more, you are threateningly competent mm-hmm. at what you're doing. True villain True territory. Villain. True villain. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I just think about, like, her performance in that where, I mean, so many great roles by Emma Thompson. But, mm-hmm. like, that scene where she's giving the speech about the camps... The scene in Love Actually, where she's listening to Joni Mitchell, uh, it doesn't even say anything. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Masterclass in acting. Yeah. I mean, I she's mean, been so good for so oh, yeah. long, just yeah. so consistent. Have you watched Late Night? I have not watched that with Mindy Kaling in her. Yes, I need I to watch did it. watch that. Um, yeah, I need to watch that. And then I also really love the movie Stranger Than Fiction. Have you seen that? She's so good. Emma Thompson's IMDb. (laughs) Okay, what other themes? Do we want to talk about the gig economy? Oh, The gig economy and the delivery economy. The gig economy that killed their father. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, Yeah, also I was wondering, when you watched this, um, what what did you assume was Muriel's relation to the kids? Because she's their grandmother, but did you assume paternal or maternal? I assumed maternal. Yeah. It was maternal, right? That is what I am assuming, but I actually started out thinking paternal, and then I realized, mm. like, oh, that doesn't make sense yeah. that she would be paternal because she carried such, like, The father is estranged. Yes, yeah. towards the estranged father, yeah. and I'm like, that wouldn't be her son. Yeah. But her, yeah, so I think maternal. But it took me a while to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you think about the character of Muriel? Oh, man. Uh, I found a lot that I was surprised by and loved mm-hmm. with Muriel. Uh, the Mal- Muriel, oh, I was kind of <laughs> like a combination. The Muriel Celeste uh-huh. uh, relationship. <laughs> the molest The molest That's what I said. Their couple name would be molest. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, yeah, that needs that work. Um, <laughs> but their relationship arc yeah, in the show was one of my favorite parts yeah. about that show. And also one of the parts where 
the show made me emotional and I cried mm-hmm. with the way that developed and ended um, because it was so beautiful. And I think that's what I did like about Muriel was this amazing capacity to love and care for her family. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, really being a, a mother, you know, in addition to a grandmother to these kids who have had some trauma, um, but then also really um, open arms to growing. I mean, listen, let's face it. Ralph was a trash person and she still embraced him when he was a part of that family. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe her would love not for though, Victor, if she knew what he did to Victor, <laughs> I think absolutely not yeah. because she also is a fierce protector yeah. of her family and the way she protected Celeste, even against her, her own, own birth grandchild Grandchild, because he was wrong Mm -hmm. and repeating the sins of his father which it's like so disappointing he didn't learn you know from Mm -hmm. um so so yeah I think um I think mostly I really loved her what about you I thought she I loved her as a character because I feel like she was so complex Mm -hmm. and usually you know characters of that generation are very much shoved to the side, especially when it comes to things that are sort of sci-fi. Right? Yeah. It's sort of like, oh, it's the old guard. They don't understand new technology, right? But mm-hmm. I think that Muriel was very much the uh, clearly the center of that family. Yeah. But such a complex character in the sense that was so loving mm-hmm. and embraced her family for exactly who they were. And so it was like, you know, a very diverse family in the yeah. sense that her, you know, Stephen married a black woman. Mm-hmm. There's no commentary about there is any of the tension between her and Celeste is not does not seem like it's driven because of race. No. Right. She was always there, there is no even commentary really about the younger granddaughters, um, you know, the father of her second son being Chinese. That's just sort of a statement. Yeah. And it's like he is Chinese and that is that's that. Right. Mm-hmm. And. I think that like how she embraced, you know, Daniel for being gay and how she embraced Victor and played that surrogate like <laughs> I mean and I mean Lincoln too, right? Yeah, yeah. The the way they embraced, you know, the way Lincoln kind of developed over the years yeah. of the show. Uh, and and still just such a, a loving, embracing family. Yeah. And I think that's always compelling to watch. Reminded me of Brothers and Sisters. Mm, in I that didn't watch way. that show. Oh, yeah. I would rewatch that. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah. That's by the same creator as Parenthood and. I think so. This is us, right? Yeah. yeah I yeah. think so. So, but yeah, I found that that really fascinating. Um, We haven't talked about Edith yet, and Mm. I also found her to be a really interesting character, and one that I didn't expect to try, like, or to tie into the transhuman storyline, but uh, do you think, with the presence of technology throughout the show, it advanced enough that Edith successfully uploaded because let's see, it would have been, I would say yes. Oh, wow. Because I think that like the storyline basically is, it's revealed at the end, right? Mm-hmm. That it is essentially them uploading all of her memories. All of right? those were her memories. Right. And then when it's like, it jumps to 
not something that she has experienced yet, mm-hmm. but that is somewhere in her consciousness of like her chasing Viv Wood down a hallway, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're we're jumping to like hallucination or something like that. Mm. She's like, nope, that's a memory. It just hasn't happened yet, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that like them being able to pick up on that as they're recording it. And then I think the statement of like, of like, I am more than these memories, Mm -hmm. you know, but that it picks up on something outside of just the data of what she is recounting. Mm -hmm. Right. So I feel like if the technology has progressed to that point, that it is picking up on things that are more than just recollections. It's like being able to piece together what a consciousness is based mm-hmm. off of that experience. Imagine having that job that those two people have yeah. uploading a lifetime of memories. Yeah. That gave me very much like San Junipero of course. vibes, you yes. know? Um, I do love, I, I love the character of Edith too. I think her storyline is great where it's this sort of subtle, like, is she gay? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The family kind of speculates on it, but not really. Yeah. It's just a passing curiosity and mm-hmm. that's it. And it's kind of the same thing of how they treat Lincoln, mm-hmm. you know, and his development of like, it's Edith who first introduces him to Dressing up like a girl. Yeah. And then that there's no qualms of like, can I keep these in? It's like, sure, you look great. Yeah. You know? That was one of the really hopeful things Mm -hmm. I found about the show was like, wow, look how far they've come as a society that all of these gender, you know, issues that are issues now because of these really different sides it seems that they'd really move past that into just like complete acceptance area yeah uh and maybe we're just seeing that through the lens because obviously victor is a refugee because Mm -hmm. he is a gay man um so the whole world isn't there but to see a society like this one in manchester england that's moved that far forward to where these are non-issues that lincoln is wearing you know ribbons and yep. then you know the daniel i thought it was weird for daniel to make a comment do, at yeah. one point you know about is that a t-shirt or a dress but then it was like well does it matter no it doesn't yeah. you know um and so but i thought it was weird that that was scripted it felt a little out of place for me you know i think it does kind of make sense though because when you think about it you know just because daniel is gay does not mean that he is fully enlightened in all of these different Yo, areas, right? one of the best scenes was when they go <laughs> into the voting booth right? and you see right? how they vote. Mm-hmm. He votes conservative. Right. So, and that breaks your heart a little bit, <laughs> that even at that point with all of this yeah. acceptance, the self-acceptance yep. is still a little lacking. Um, yeah, so that was, that was also really interesting. <laughs> um... Going back to Muriel as a character, mm-hmm. I thought she was so... The reason why I feel like she was so complex was because she was so accepting about some of these things and so rigid about others. Yes. Where when it, it was like her son-in-law, as it's revealed that he you know, had an affair mm-hmm. and then eventually had another family. Mm-hmm. That's like a whole weird thing too. But it's like, wow, wrote him off completely. Yes. Where it's like, you no longer have any relationship with your father, grandchildren, and like your mother. And so that's, a, that's the interesting is that they never get into the circumstances of how their mother died. I think they went to cancer. But is it like... Because uh, just, Rosie was taking care of okay. her. But I'm just not sure if it's like... I, it, it's like the, 
like the vitriol that they have against their father That's the was thing. so interesting where it's like, was it something that he did as a result, like him having an affair resulted in their mother dying? Like it seems so it, emotionally loaded to that. I agree. It was honestly, I felt like there wasn't a lot of detail given for the level of reaction to always be so highly negative, yeah. almost to where it even outweighed positive mentions of their mother. Right. And even it was like, oh, your mom should be here. And, you know, mm-hmm. she, she was mentioned in that respect. But it it just wasn't like as fondly remembered I felt like as he was negatively right. remembered right um, and that it was like any remembrance of their mother was like a like a wistful regret yeah of like that that in some way she was taken from them and that it was kind of because of their father it just seemed like they yeah. were they were connecting those two things right yeah and so like and if it wasn't connected anyways it seems like they were connecting those two things mm-hmm. but maybe it was not related at all because of how like how strongly Gran or Muriel just cut out Stephen when it was discovered that he was having an affair, you know, and that so it's like, wow, Muriel, who's very accepting of a lot of these things, has these very, very strong red lines. And in some, you but know, they don't apply to Daniel, right? Because right, because he was married. Daniel when he was married. Met Victor and, and had an affair with him. I was honestly a little taken aback because I felt like there was not a lot of groundwork laid before he just went to like being with Victor, right. and so it's either like. I don't know that there was enough there for me to believe that it was that magnetic uh-huh. and that it needed yeah. to happen on that accelerated timeline. And again, I, I saw the signs with Ralph. I knew that this wasn't, you know, he's slowly realizing Ralph is an idiot. Yeah. He was entertaining flat earth theories. I think that, <laughs> like, if that happened, I think my marriage might be over too. Yeah. Like, that's something you can't come back from. But I still think that it happened too fast without a lot of groundwork laying and and Ralph's resentment obviously yeah. shows you that it was that quick, but Muriel just moves right from Ralph to Victor and yeah. and like moves on. And yet I think um, maybe it hits harder in the case of their father and Stephen because, look, Muriel obviously values family mm. and what those two did betrayed a family. Yeah. Daniel and Ralph didn't have children, Mm -hmm. but in these other cases, it's like you have children. Um, and in, in the case of their dad, it's not just a cheating and an affair. It's a complete family abandonment. He walked away from his children. He chose to have nothing to do with them. Did he though? Because it kind of seemed like, was it like when it was his birthday? And it seemed like Stephen had some contact with, was it Valerie? The, uh, new, the new wife. Jacqueline. 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 <laughs> Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Because, <laughs> um, and it seemed like. You're they were right. Trying, you know, and so it's just very mysterious. It could be more mutual, like yeah. you left us. and But obviously, it was like. I feel like that's the type of thing that happens when there's an initial abandonment. Mm -hmm. And so he stepped out for a time and then whether or not he tried to get back involved, there was resentment towards that. And it's like, you've lost the right to have any relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yes, Yes, that makes sense. Correct. Pass. Done. You're correct. Plot, plot, point, solved. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Yeah. So let's see. We talked about Muriel. Mm-hmm. Celeste was a very interesting character. Yeah. Not a lot of development of her character, except in relation to her relationship with Muriel. That was where, yeah, Steven. I think they invested a lot. And then, yeah, with, with Stephen and, and the family. I mean, her relationship with Bethany played very heavily in the mm-hmm. transhuman yes. plot line. Uh, so... You know, that was explored a lot more. Bethany had quite an interesting, you know, arc as well. Uh, And then I thought it was really interesting to see Rosie. And also, one of the things that didn't quite sit well with me is Rosie didn't seem super accepting of Victor and actually Mm -hmm. made a lot of, like, really snide comments (laughs) about the links that Daniel was going to, yeah. you know, for his husband. Like, I'm running out of ways to say, oh, my God, that's yeah. terrible. Well, and even, <laughs> but even her saying that, like, it wasn't the right reaction, I felt like even, yeah. it was like she wasn't even trying yeah. to, and just wanted nothing to do with, you know, supporting Daniel in that act. Yeah. And then, yeah, so, so that was a little interesting, um, but I did you know, like to see Rosie's development, like as a mom and then with John Joe mm-hmm. and also the idea of uh, careers becoming obsolete because mm-hmm. of technology was something yes. that impacted Rosie and Celeste uh, and Steven. And Steven, yeah. Definitely. Um, this side, this, I thought it was a very traditional idea of I only move my money in the morning that ended up being like somebody's <laughs> yeah, downfall. Man. And then he just liked looking at the big number, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, uh, so I thought that was, uh, really interesting. Um, it's funny story, uh, when we talk about like where we recognize these actors mm-hmm. and actresses for and, and where we've seen them before, Steven, mm-hmm. just in my head, I was like, this is Mosley from Downton Abbey. I just placed him right into oh, Downton Abbey. I always place him. Yeah, go ahead. Not in Downton Abbey because he's not in it. Yeah. So I was completely wrong. Yeah, I stopped watching Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey is one of those shows that we talked about that it's like haunted, stopped at a particular Something episode, terrible happened, never went back. And you had to walk away. Sons of Anarchy yes, for me. Yes, that well, is a common look one. Look at this reference. Yes. Yes, uh, Stephen from Rory Kinnear is his, is that actor's name, and I always place him in the first episode of Black Mirror, mm. mm-hmm. where he plays the prime minister. Oh my gosh, you have to have sex with the pig! <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> we can't spoil Black Mirror. If you haven't seen Black Mirror, that's on you. <laughs> and even saying that doesn't spoil anything. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, there's so much there's more so than many that. things. Um, but yeah, he's also in Penny Dreadful. Yes, and I loved Penny mm-hmm. Dreadful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a great show. Um, but yeah, I think that like there was a lot of actors in this show that I had not seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from like Emma Thompson, obviously, most yep. recognizable. And Rory Kinnear, probably the most recognizable out of the family, with exception of Daniel. Do you recognize anything him so from anything? So I actually didn't recognize oh, Daniel. Okay. So that was a, a new one for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have some references to where he he pops up but we'll save that for our challenge Uh let's wrap up the conversation on years and years because it feels like it's going on for years and years and it's just (laughs) (laughs) we spent years and years talking about years okay so the last thing though that i do want to talk about gig economy because Mm. i feel like that plays into this so much right and like that you see it having ripple effects before the economic meltdown that happens but then you see so much of it from the 
perspective of a worker in that system Mm -hmm. after the economic meltdown because of what happens to Steven. And so I thought that it was so interesting because, you know, we talk about the cost of convenience Mm -hmm. and that it's like I can get on my phone right now and I can order something and it will be delivered tomorrow. And it's like, great, it went for free. But the human cost that that actually takes and the fact that as technology progresses, it's supposed to automate things and it's supposed to make things more efficient. And it's, isn't it supposed to lessen the burden on humans doing that work as opposed to replacing them in some regard and then shoving even worse work to humans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think it's so interesting that as a society in that reality, they have progressed so far to have technology like, oh, I hold up my hand like a phone and I'm talking into it and I'm blinking at you and I'm taking pictures of you like a fucking weird Oh my, I don't want to take pictures with my eyes. That was... (laughs) They're called memories, and I like that they're not real. That's like Rick and Morty when it's like, I am not staring at you. I am a robot, and I am taking a picture right now. (laughs) Like, it's like that. It's like that feeling. Um, But that it's advanced so much to that point. Again, it's like Fifth Element, too. Mm -hmm. But we still have people lugging things around on their backs on bicycles? Like, how fucking primitive are we as a society that we're making people do that? And that is where we are now. <laughs> so this ties directly back to Muriel saying, it's your fault. Yes. Because I know what Amazon is doing yep. to workers, and I still order shit off Amazon. Yep. So I am complicit in that system. It is my fault mm-hmm. what is happening to people. And that's what this show really does, is yeah. makes you confront that. And that's why the show is so awfully great. <laughs> of like, I feel like it's like everybody needs to watch this. Nobody wants to watch this, mm-hmm. but everybody should watch this. And, and it's so meta in the sense that watching this and the characters in that show and the... Like, the very explicit, you know, sort of monologue that Muriel has Mm -hmm. of, like, that that call to action that does kind of inspire her grandchildren to take action, right? Yes. That it's, like, it is a call to action, and it's, like, wake up. I love how revolutionary the women are in that family. Yes, And that's Muriel doing it, like, a call to action, and then people actually act. There's a lot of calls to action that are unanswered. Mm -hmm. And, and as soon it's as answered she, by the women. Exactly. Yep. As soon as she puts it out there, her two daughters are yeah. stepping up to the plate. And Celeste. And, oh, well, her three daughters. Yes. Oh, my. I and just got Bethany. <laughs> and Bethany. Oh, you know? man. Bethany, what a crusader, yeah. right? Like, how, like, I love the Bethany-Edith, like, kind of connection yes. there, for sure. Yeah. Because seeing that revolutionary in the two generations, mm-hmm. I think, was really cool. And then to actually have them work together I thought was really phenomenal. So um, if we want to wrap up our conversation, I think the best way is with one of your questions, which I'll ask you. Yeah. So after watching years and years, we talked about it, dived into it. Are you more or less optimistic about our future? I mean, 
it connects up back to a point that I wanted to make of just like the show is so meta because it's a call to action for the characters in the show, but it's also a call to action for the people watching the show. Yeah. You know, and so it's kind of like how much of this reality that is so close to your reality are you willing to watch and continue to do nothing about? Mm-hmm. And so I think that I am probably, oh God, I feel like I'm on 50-50 right now. Like I'm not, I'm not quite sure if I'm more optimistic or pessimistic about this. I think I am generally more optimistic about things because I feel like in some ways how the pandemic has accelerated the demise of a lot of institutions in this country. I say that very casually, I know. (laughs) Uh, I feel like it has forced us to look at things faster, right? Uh, As far as like climate change and all of those things, I don't know if we are acting fast enough still because I feel like... It's like one of those, you know, it's like, oh, well, if we make a decision today, it's going to take this much time to implement it. And if we do that, that, but then it's like, you have to start, you have to start. Mm -hmm. And so I feel more optimistic because it does feel like this country came so close. We are still on the brink, Mm -hmm. basically, right? Yeah. Where it is kind of like, when does it get to that point? (laughs) The way climate change is peppered in with mm-hmm. its impact mm-hmm. of when was the last time you saw a butterfly right. and insects are dying. It's so been raining for a hundred days. It's been raining for a hundred days. I mean, I yes. think the way that that just is like part of their everyday reality mm-hmm. at that point, that's something also that seems like a very logical leap from where we are now, where mm-hmm. we are seeing you know seasonal I feel like impacts with like one bad event you know and then usually there's a reprieve kind Mm of um and it's like at this point there are no more reprieves you are constantly confronted with the impacts of climate change right it's like we are we are not giving the earth enough breaks to mm-hmm. heal itself yeah. in time before the next assault <laughs> by us as a race. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, something's got to get right. And so, so I guess maybe I should take it to heart myself of how much of this am I willing to be confronted with and how much of this am I going to actually let it inspire me to, uh, to change my habits, you know, to yeah. think twice about buying that $1 t-shirt that fast fashion, you know, ordering that food delivery. Yeah. Uh, it's tough because it's the cost of convenience. And like, I feel like in our lives in particular, out where we live, it is so much about money is convenience and money is time saved. Um, but then it gives you a very screwy relationship with money. Yeah. And staying in that for too long, it starts to twist how you feel about money and the value of it and how you value things with the money that you spend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But that's, I feel like, the number one way that you can impact change because our society runs on capitalism. Right. So being responsible about how you spend your money and it's very difficult to balance that with also spending your money on things that in the moment are going to enrich your life, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's all very twisted. And I think that's one of the things about the show that is really good is it's giving you that perspective now to think yes. through your life choices and decide because... We are people. We cannot do absolutely everything right. And by the book, there's no right answer to some of these issues or right Mm -hmm. way to act. 
Um, but I think it is forcing us to start trying to understand and navigate in a more responsible way by showing us how terrible the impacts could be yes. if it continues. It's not too late. Yeah, so that's where <laughs> you get the hope, yeah. right, for the future. The it's not too late. There are things I can do now. Yep. Um, well, be- I, I think, sorry, not to interrupt, but I think, like, the end of that series ends kind of in the way that you are left to feel of, like, where it, it shows you that they made it out. Yeah. They made it to a better future mm-hmm. and that it's possible, but that where it started and that also with the whole storyline of like, well, we don't know what happened to Vivwood. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy theorists. But, you know, how much of it of, of this is like this dark force has swept her away? How much of it is, is she still like the cabal, essentially, oh right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. And so I think it's also that kind of the message of like, it's possible to get yourself out of the dark that you are in right now, mm-hmm. but you have to be vigilant. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not done. Mm-hmm. So... That's kind of exactly where we are right now. Yeah, because if you're not vigilant and if you don't start taking an active role, this is how bad it can get yeah. in some respects. And so it's it's a mix of feeling no change in my level of optimism mm-hmm. uh, because in a way I think things are going to get worse in the short term yeah. before, you know, I mean, if you look at the arc of that, there is a decline before you come back up. Right. Yeah. Um, and so kind of feeling like that is still happening. So I'm not less optimistic about it, but I have a more realistic viewpoint of what it can look like. Mm-hmm. And that I think again, helps me see ways that I can act and try to prevent, you know, things yep. now versus maybe before the show feeling like, wow, I don't really know where to start right, or I right. don't know what I'm going to value the most. And so it starts that that thought process, I think. So it's a call to action that I do feel like is actually increasing action. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's uh, that. And then, yeah, I think it trends to be from no change in optimism to feeling a little bit more optimistic because seeing an example of how you do kind of come through it yeah, and that it can be done. And that there is maybe more of a consciousness around these very complex type of interconnected mm-hmm. issues that more people are starting to see how it's not just climate change. It's not just trade wars. It's not just racial tensions. Mm-hmm. It's not just technology. It's all of it, right? Yeah. And, and again, to be able to see that outsider perspective and, like, the producers and the creators <laughs> of these shows painting that picture for you because otherwise it's so difficult to piece together everything that is happening right now. Totally. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, there's so many other things that we didn't even discuss. Maybe we'll do a revisit, but we're at like an hour and 10 minutes. We didn't even talk about all of the uh, plant-based foods there. But maybe oh we'll my gosh, you're ones. right. Yeah. There, there's, it's we a didn't even deep talk, well. We didn't even talk about rosy spina bifida and whether or not, uh, if you can fix things, do you fix things? Yeah. What, is, what are things that need to be fixed versus what's just part of the human existence the ethical issues Mm -hmm. as we see technology you know increase in our day-to-day lives I think are very interesting to unpack a lot of medical things curing macular degeneration um a lot of 
you know, you said food things, covering all the different diets, you know, allusions to celiac being commonly misdiagnosed <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, things like that. I think there's just there. It, the show was done well because of the breadth of issues yep. that it actually gave time and thought to what could look like different in uh, what a what a different reality would look like a few years from now. Yeah. So. I guess maybe more conversations about years and years in the future because that show is haunting. <laughs> and I think it will be for years and years. For years and years. <laughs> and t- yeah, I was going to say, until we are out of this dark reality, but then always stay vigilant, though. Yeah. <laughs> that is the message. So, all right. We will wrap that on our discussion for years and years. Um, that went a lot of places because that <laughs> show goes a lot of places. So watch yes. that show, enjoy, and really dislike it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to EMDB TV. Check us out on social media at EMDB TV and at www.emdbtv.com.